Hello, and welcome to the first episode of the Path to Redemption, the podcast. I just want to say thank you for taking the time to stop and listen and and hear what we have to talk about. And as always, just remember, the Father loves you, Jesus loves you, and the Holy Spirit loves you. And that's ultimately what we're going to be talking about today. The foundation of love, if you will. You know, I think Huey Lewis in the news put it as the power of love. Um, but we have to understand first that the Father loves us, Jesus loves us, and the Holy Spirit loves us. You know, there's barely a day that goes by where I don't tell my son Isaac that exact same thing. Sit him in my lap, or while I'm changing his diaper, or while I'm feeding him, I tell him, the Father loves you, Jesus loves you, and the Holy Spirit loves you. And why do I do that? I do that so that he knows, even though he can't understand a single word I'm saying, that he knows that God loves him, and that God ultimately loves him. Why? Because that is the starting place, that is the cornerstone of anything that we're going to believe on with Jesus Christ. Why? Because if we don't believe that God is love and that God loves us, then how can we ever go out into the world and demonstrate who God is and who Jesus is and who the Holy Spirit is? Because they are love. They are the epitome of love. The Father loved us so much that he sent Jesus Christ to this earth to be the symbol of his love to this world. It's just an amazing thought that a father would be willing to give up his only son, his only begotten son, to give to this world, a world that hated him, that despised him, that really didn't want anything to do with him, to give us all the opportunity to be reconciled through his death. That is a tremendous amount of love for people that doesn't even like him. Like It's an amazing thought and an amazing concept. You know, I oftentimes think about the love of the father and, and how... And how now, especially now that I have Isaac, how I would be if I actually tried to give my son up to die in the stead of some stranger, or some farmer out in China who I've never met. I, there's no way I would be able to do it. Yet that's exactly the love that the father had for us. You know, and that needs to form the foundation. That has to be the cornerstone of anything that we do. And what's a cornerstone? The cornerstone of a building basically holds two walls together. It's the strongest stone. If you pull it away, the walls will fall apart and the foundation will begin to crumble. That's how important understanding the love of the Father, the love of Jesus Christ is, and how it affects you and how it affects all of us. But don't just take my word for it, right? Let's kind of dive into scripture. Here, real quick, before we get started, I do want to say that all the scripture is going to come from the New King James Version. I am a big King James user, but to make it a little easier on everyone, we're going to remove the thous and these and, and all of that, just to be able to make it a little easier for everyone to understand. If you have a King James, New King James Bible, great. Um, go ahead and, and open it up here. If you don't, there's a great app, the Bible app by Version. You can just download it in any app store. Um, if you want a hard copy, just reach out to me and I will make sure that you get a New King James Bible in, in your hands. But if you have them, go ahead and open it up to 1 John chapter 4. And this is an amazing chapter. It really lays out the love that the Father had through Jesus Christ for us. But even more so is it really kind of gives insight into who God is and into who he is, right? So 1 John chapter 4, and we're going to kind of start here down in, in verse 17. And it says, Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have 
boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. The crux of this is in verse 19. We love him because he first loved us. That's an amazing thought. You know, when you start entering into a relationship and things are going great and, you know, you really like that person, what you come to find out is, you know, you don't want to be the first person to say, I love you. What if they don't love you? What if they're not ready to do that yet? What if they're not in that part of the relationship? You know, then it becomes all awkward and you're not really sure what to say. But here, Jesus takes that all away. The father takes that all away and he says, we love him because he first loved us. All right, so how did he first love us, right? Well, you got to kind of start and look at different scriptures. So the first one we're going to look at is in Romans chapter 5, and we're going to start at verse 6. And it says, For when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Think about that. For when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Christ didn't just die for the people that went to church. Christ didn't just die for the for the most for the richest people or for the smartest people or for the even the downtrodden people. No, no, no. He died for the ungodly. All of us. All of us, while we were out in our sin, while we were out doing what we want to do, while we were using and abusing people, being the worst type of people on the planet, Jesus Christ died for us. And in verse 8, it culminates it all. It says, but God demonstrates his love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Imagine willingly giving up your life the way that Christ did for someone you don't know and who treat you like dirt. That's what Jesus Christ did. Imagine, as a father or a mother, giving up your only begotten son for someone who doesn't like you and treat you like dirt. That's what God did, and that's what Jesus Christ did. That is an amazing amount of love. You know, there's other scriptures here. We, you know, we're going to talk about probably the single most famous one here, and, and start in John chapter 3 and verse 14, and it says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Think about that, right? There, for God so loved the world that he literally gave and sent his only begotten son. Now, I'm going to go a little bit back here in, in verse 14, where it says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Now, back in the book of Numbers, uh, the children of Israel were in the wilderness, and Moses was leading them out. And 
basically they got discouraged and they started railing against Moses saying, you know, why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There's no food, there's no water. So what ended up happening, the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people and they bit the people and many of them died. But what Moses did, well, what the people did first is that they say, came and said that we have sinned and we have spoken out against you and the Lord. And, and what Moses did, he said, make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. And it shall be that everyone who is bitten when he looks at it shall live. So basically, Moses took a bronze serpent and put it around a pole. And then when people looked at it, they were instantly healed. And we actually still see that symbol today. If you look at, at an ambulance, it's actually the sign of paramedics right now, uh, a pole with a serpent wrapped around it. And that's where the, the reference comes from. But ultimately, what they were looking at is they were seeing Jesus Christ lifted up on the cross, the serpent representing the sin. The brass pole representing the brazen altar, the forgiveness of sins. And ultimately, they were looking at a picture and a type and a shadow of Jesus Christ on the cross. That's why Jesus had to be lifted up on that cross to die in our stead for our sins, for us to come to his love and to the understanding of his love. That's an amazing concept, right? And we'll we'll talk about how that comes into play and how Old Testament plays in the New Testament at a later time. But this is really important because God loved us so much that he sent his son. That's just amazing, right? As a father, like I said, there's no way I would be able to give up my son for a rice farmer in China that I don't even know. But yet God gave up his son for us. In that while we were yet sinners, he ended up dying. You know, going back to 1 John chapter 4 and really looking at this in verse 9 and, and 10, actually, we're, we're going to start in verse 7. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And this, the love of God, was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Now, John's basically saying here that, look, the very essence, the very fiber of God's being is love. Think about that. For God so loved the world, but God commended his love towards us that he He sent his son, right? But now we're seeing that the very fiber of God's being is love. And that is the baseline of everything, the foundation of everything. What holds the world together is the love of God that he has for all of us. And it says, in this, his love of God was manifested toward us, that God sent his only begotten son into the world, that we might live through him. You know, and that's so amazing to think that that even though we were sinners, and even though we were apart from God, and even though we had no business even going to God, right? That God sent his son that we might live through him. And in this love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and he sent his son to be the propitiation of our sins. That word propitiation means appeasement. Now I want to talk about that for a few seconds here. We owe a debt to God and that's that debt 
is sin, right? And the wages of sin is death. That's the debt that's owed to God. We owe uh, both a natural death and a spiritual death. That's what's owed because of our sin. But the scripture here says that, that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation of our sins. That basically means he became the appeasement or the payment for our sins. So that debt was paid through the death of Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to think about it this way, right? Let's say that I owe you $100. Okay, if you just say, hey, you know what, Daniel, forget about the debt. Don't worry about paying me $100. I'm never going to feel right being around you again. What do I mean by that? It means I'm always going to be constantly thinking about, oh, you know, they waived the $100 for me. I, I really feel guilty about that. Or I wonder if it's going to change at some point in time. They're going to come to me and say, hey, remember that $100 you owed me? I, I really need it now. And what if I don't have it? And what if I can't do anything with it? You know, so that's always going to hang over my head if you just wave the debt off, right? But what if on my birthday, you send me a card and inside that card, it says, hey, Daniel, happy birthday. And there's $100 there. And then I take that $100 and I turn around and I pay you back the 100 that I owed you. Then our debt is settled, right? But what you did is you gave me the gift. You gave me a gift to settle the debt. And that's exactly what the Father did to us. He gave us the gift in Jesus Christ through his love to settle the debt that we owed him, which was death, so that we could then walk in the freedom and the newness of life in Christ. It's an amazing thing, the love of God. Why? Because that's what it did. He loved us so much that even though we owed him a huge debt, God gave us the payment in Jesus Christ as a gift so that we could pay him back through Jesus Christ. It's amazing when you think about it. That is love. And God is love. And the very fiber of his being is love. And Christ, Jesus Christ, is that symbol of God's love, right? Of the Father's love. Now, that's no different, though, than than Christ loving us, too. Because the Father loves us unconditionally, Christ loves us unconditionally as well. Why? Because let's let's take a look. Here's a couple of examples. In John chapter 15, verse 12, it says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. He's talking to his disciples here, and ultimately what he's saying is that, you know what? No greater love has anyone than to lay down their life for their friend. And you're my friend if you follow me, right? He willingly laid down his life for his disciples. That's an amazing thing. Like, look, I love my friends to death. I really, truly do. And that's kind of ironic that I use that that term. But I love my friends tremendously, right? But I don't know that I'm going to go to a Roman cross for them. I love people. I really, really do. But people I've never met, that's a tough thing for me willingly to do for them. But Jesus did it willingly. He did it out of two types of love, love for his father and love for us. The scripture says that Jesus gave up the ghost, meaning he willingly died. That's amazing. That is a tremendous amount of love. I want to to go ahead and turn to John chapter 17 and verse 13 through 18. What's going to happen here and what we're going to look at is that 
this is in the Garden of Gethsemane. This is the night that Jesus is going to be arrested. The next day, he's going to be beaten, bruised, bloodied. He's going to end up carrying a cross, and he's going to be crucified. But here, the night before, what's going to happen? He's looking, and he says, But now I come to you. And he's praying. He's praying to the Father right now. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. See, what he's asking for is for God the Father to keep his disciples in the world and to set them apart for his purpose. And that's what God wants us to do. When we come to him, when we believe in him and we we give our life and we give our heart to him, God will sanctify you for a purpose. right? He told Jeremiah that before he was in the womb, even formed in the womb, that he knew him. right? The same thing goes for us. But his love is amazing in that Christ here is praying for his disciples, praying for other people right before he's going to die. And it wasn't just his disciples he was praying for. He was praying for you and he was praying for me. In verse 20 of that same chapter, it says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one, just as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. And jumping down here to verse 26, it says, And I have declared to them your name, and will declare it, that the love with which you loved me may be in them and I in them. The love of the Father was in Christ Jesus. Christ willingly gave his life out of love for you, for me, for everyone in the world. That is an amazing, amazing concept. Jesus loves you. The Father loves you. The Holy Spirit, which is the Spirit of Jesus Christ, loves you. God is love. The very fiber of his being is made out of love for his creation. It's amazing. I know I've said that a hundred times by now, but it absolutely is when you think about it. But this has to form the cornerstone of anything that we believe. The moment we start this relationship, if you're not stepping out and believing that Jesus loves you, then it's going to cause a whole host of issues later. Why? Because if you can't get the basic thing that Jesus loves you down, then when you when the things start to get hard or the world starts to get hard or things start to come against you, you're not going to be able to fall back on that love that he has for you and believe that he's going to get you through it. So it's got to form the foundation, right? Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 19 says this, Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, 
Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. We talked about the importance of the cornerstone in a building, and Jesus Christ and his love must be that cornerstone. Look, even the very basis of our faith is based in love. Galatians chapter 5 Verses 5 and 6, it says, For we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision or uncircumcision avails anything, but faith working through love. Through whose love? Not through our corruptible love, our conditional love, you know, or anything that comes through us, but the uncorruptible, pure love that is the very fiber of God's being. Our faith works through love. Why? Because he first loved us. If he didn't first love us, we would never be able to believe on him. This has to be the foundation of all things as you grow. You know, when I was a kid, my dad worked second shift and I would be in school, obviously, and and he would go to work, I think about 2, 2.30, and I wouldn't get out of school until about 3.15. And so I wouldn't see my dad a lot through through the week. But one of the things I would often do is I would beg my mom, mom, please let me stay up and see dad. Just let me see it. Let me, let me, let me see him. Let me see him. You know, and I would beg her. Now my bedtime was normally, you know, nine, nine thirty, and dad wouldn't get home until about 1130. So mom knew that I was going to be an absolute bear to handle the next morning when I was so tired because I stayed up to, to see my dad. But when my dad walked in that door, at 11.30 on the few nights that she would let me sit up and, and see him, what I would do is I would run and I would grab his legs and I'd wrap my arms around his legs. you know. And as a father, it's not enough just to have your child run up to you and wrap their arms around your legs. He had to hug me back. You know, so what do you do? Sometimes he'd pick me up. Sometimes he'd, he'd, you know, give me a hand. Then I'd go crawl on his lap whenever he'd finally get into his chair. And he'd sit there and he'd hold me for a little bit, right? And I'd get to spend a little bit of time with my dad. But he always took time the moment he got in to love on me, you know, and he was a good earthly father. And the scripture says that if your earthly fathers know how to give good presents to their children, how much more so does your heavenly father know how to do that? So what I'm saying here is that even though I ran up to him and I loved him and I would hold on to him, right? My father first loved me before I ever had the concept of of love. When I was a baby, and I have no recollection, I have no doubt that he loved me, right? The heavenly father is the exact same way. He loves you. When we run to him and want to wrap our arms around his legs the same way that I did with my dad, he's going to love us back. Why? Because he first loved us. He demonstrated that love by sending his only begotten son to us. Look, it doesn't matter what you've done. It really doesn't. Like, it doesn't matter anything. You could be the worst person on the planet, but it doesn't matter. There has to be a path to redemption for everyone. And the path to redemption is in love. You know, going back to John chapter 3, we oftentimes forget about verse 17. You know, you'll have a lot of people talk about John 3.16, John 3.16, but Verse 17 is just as important. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's amazing, right? Why? Because the love of God is what causes change. The love of God is what creates people to be saved. The love of God is what draws people in. 
And if we don't understand how much that God loves you or that God loves us or that God loves everyone on this planet, I really hope that these scriptures show that and prove that. Everyone has the ability to have God's love. Every single person. Why? Because he sent it to the whole world. That's why. There's no conditions. There's nothing about the love of God. All you have to do is believe. You have to believe that Jesus Christ is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. That's literally all you got to do. So, look, if you don't know Jesus Christ, I ask that you just pray this prayer and you can just repeat after me and you can just say, Lord, I believe that you are, that Jesus Christ, you are the son of God, that you came and died for my sins and that you rose again on the third day. And I thank you for saving me. And I thank you for the beginning of this walk. And I give you all glory, honor, and praise. Amen. That's literally all it is. You know, Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That's all it is. It's belief. Now, if you accepted that and you accepted Jesus Christ, let me be the first to welcome you into the body of Christ. This is an amazing journey that you're going to go on. And I want you to know that you're not going to have to go on it alone. Email me. My email address is pathtoredemptionohio at gmail.com. I'd love to get in contact with you. I'd love to talk with you. And I don't want you to think that you're you're on this on your own because a lot of people, when they come to salvation, they believe on Jesus Christ. The next thing is now what? Now there's a whole journey and a whole relationship that is going to be absolutely amazing. Why? Because he loves you. And if you do know Jesus Christ, I hope this brings you closer to him. Why? Because I want you to understand the love that Jesus has for you. It needs to form the baseline of everything, everything that he is. Look, I hope you enjoyed this message about the love of God and the love that the Father has for us and the love that Jesus Christ has for us. We're going to continue on this theme in the next episode, and we're really going to kind of talk about what Jesus has made unto us and what his love has redeemed us from. You know, if you have any questions or anything that you want to discuss, just email me at pathtoredemptionohio at gmail.com. I want to get to all your questions, you can, and if we end up doing a question and answer, uh, an episode as a follow up, then you can either put your name or leave it anonymous, and you know I'll follow your wishes, whatever you wish to to have. The other thing I want to do is also want to kind of leave you with a with a Christian song um, that just kind of a recommendation, if you will, about something that's been on my mind or something I've been listening to quite a bit here. Um, and this one kind of goes hand in hand with with this particular message. It's uh, the song is called "Failure to Excommunicate." by Reliant K. It's on their uh, tongue-in-cheek album. And this line really, really kind of sums everything up. And it says, Jesus loves the outcast. He loves the ones the world just loves to hate. And as long as there's a heaven, there'll be a failure to excommunicate. And I hope that you take the time to listen to that song. It's a great song. It's You're going to hear some some different songs from me, from older song, older Christian songs and newer Christian songs, but and a whole host of genres from rock to gospel to a whole bunch of different things. But I hope you check those out every single week. Look, thanks again for taking the time to be here and to listen. And I really hope that you got something out of this. And just remember the simple truth. The Father loves you. Jesus loves you. And the Holy Spirit loves you. 